What is happening, good people? This is Keith James, Bed Daddy, here on the Bed Daddy Podcast. This is episode two. Episode one, I gave some introductions, gave some shout outs. I would like to take this time to give a shout out to the groups that I write for Sports Obsessive. Check out my work, The State of Bears. It's going to be at least a weekly article, if not more, talking about your beloved Bears. So this week I'll talk about final roster cut down, talk about what's coming for the 2021 season. So check it out, sportsobsessive.com. I'm also writing for The League Winners. So check them out, theleaguewinners.com. They just partnered with Underdog. So go to The League Winners. Use promo code FFWIN for your Underdog promotion. And I write and do videos for yards per fantasy. So same thing. Go to Underdog. Use the promo code yards per. Get yourself in there. Do some best ball drafting. It's an awesome format. Awesome way to give a little bit of money, have a little bit of action, and to, uh, you know, do some drafting right before this great, great Labor Day weekend. So, episode two, what I want is for you to dominate your fantasy leagues. That's what I want, plain and simple. We have one more week until the NFL season starts. I know y'all might have some drafts tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, maybe even all the way up till Thursday morning. Hey, however you do it, I don't judge, right? So I am here to help you dominate your fantasy leagues. And what I want you to do is to take note of how you can be a better auction player. I've been playing auction for about 15 years. I love the format. It's my preferred method of drafting. That way you don't have to worry about, you know, Snipe City. Don't have to worry about getting the first overall pick if you want CMC. In an auction draft, you want them, you go and get them. That's the best part about it. That's why I think everybody should play an auction. It makes you a better fantasy football player, in my opinion. So snake drafts are fun. I like them. They're chill. It's got a whole new strategy. But the best thing about auction is that auction drafts, it's a strategy within a strategy. It's a game within a game. So we're already lovers of fantasy football, which is a game within a game. Auction is a game within a game of fantasy. So I'm starting to sound like uh, Vince Vaughn from Swingers, right? It's a game within a game within a game. That's auction drafting. You have to understand your league mates. You have to understand the scoring setting. You have to have discipline right? You got to bring the shades and be like a poker player. In home leagues, it's easy to manipulate certain guys because you know damn well your Packer fan buddy wants Aaron Rodgers in his last year. So you may be able to goat him for a few extra dollars to take Aaron Rodgers. So it really is a way to make you a better fantasy player. And that's why my preferred method absolutely is auction drafts. And so for this episode, I want to give everybody three tips. Three, not two, three. Two, three, three tips on how you can be a better 
auction player. I'm also going to give a breakdown of a few players I like at their AAV. AAV is the same concept as ADP. It's the average auction value for each player. So I've done a lot of auction drafts, a lot of best ball, a lot of redraft, a lot of dynasty, all of them auctions. So I'm getting a good flavor of how much these players cost you. So I'm going to give you a breakdown of, uh, you know, what the hell, I'll give you four guys. I'll give you a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end that I think is going to provide you excellent production given their value, right? You'll see me say often value plus volume equals fantasy success. Value plus volume equals fantasy success. So it's not always just about volume, but it's where you get guys at a point in your draft, right? Last year, Josh Allen and David Montgomery were league winners, not just because of how productive they were, but because how you got them in your draft. If you had David Montgomery and some people were getting Montgomery as their running back three, all right, forget running back two. He was running back four overall in PPR, which is now the standard format. So his value to me is even greater than Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara because you had to spend high draft capital to get those guys. For David Montgomery, you probably were getting him in the sixth, seventh round last year. He was probably in that dreaded running back dead zone. So to me, it's value plus volume, right? Same thing with Josh Allen, MVP candidate, very easily, um, you know, could have won you your league because he was not being taken as the top quarterback off the board last year. So value plus volume is going to equal fantasy success. So let me just jump right into it. Auction drafting, whole new ball game, takes a whole new level of discipline, a whole new level of focus. You, you always have to be on in an auction draft. If you're like me and you're a chatty Cathy and you just want to, you know, yak it up all the time, you're going to miss certain players that are called. You're going to miss how much they're going for. You're going to miss what team is going after which player. All of it matters. You need to know your opponents and where they're going. So here is my first tip for auction drafting. Never, never bid on a guy you don't want. It's tempting. It's tempting to bid on a guy you don't want. You listen to the pods, you read the articles. You want to drive up value of all the players you don't want, right? That's the name of the game. There's only so much money to go around. If you're in a 12-team league with a $200 budget, there's $2,400 within that auction draft. That's why they take on a life of their own, because there is a limited amount of dollars that go around. So for every dollar you can get your opponents to spend more than they would have liked, that's a dollar better you are going to get on the next player, right? That's going to lead your opponents to hesitate when you're trying to find those late round gems. So here's the deal. And I'm still learning it. I still do it. When you get into an auction bid, and you may like the player, and you may like him at that cost, right? You may like him at that cost, but you were not targeting him. He was not part of your strategy. Do not be tempted to jump in and drive up the price. Too often, 
too often I've done that, right? I'm trying to get that extra dollar, extra $2 out of my opponent. I talk myself into it's real time, right? So you don't have time to decide this. This is real time you're doing this. You get all wrapped up saying Clyde Edwards Hilaire. All right, he's a nice player. I think he bounces back this year, but I do not have a lot of action in CEH this year. I just don't. I had all kinds of CEH last year. I really like the skill set for what Andy Reid likes to do. And look, I do think he's better than what people are giving him credit for. But to me, that offense begins and ends with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. It's why I also wouldn't recommend spending anything over a dollar for any other option in that offense in the receiver core. So so for McCole Hardman or uh, Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle, do not spend over a dollar because it has just proven time and time again that offense lives and dies with Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. Now the fourth option is going to be CEH, but you get into a bid and you see that he's climbing higher than you thought he would. Say a $200 budget, you think he's going to go for $20. You see him at 18, you say, all right, I don't mind if he goes 19. And I see guys are going after him. They want him. So you throw out 19. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, like that, like that, it stops, it ends. And now even though you got CEH at a good value, say at $19, that was not your plan. And it skews everything. And I've had it happen to me often. And now I've got a player who, it's okay, I like the value, but that was not my target. And now it's messed up my whole plan. So now I have to scramble and I have to make do and say, okay, now he's my running back too, right? And if there's still what I perceive as running back ones out there, I need to go and get that running back one because I don't want CEH to be my anchor when I wanted Jonathan Taylor to be my anchor or I wanted Ezekiel Elliott to be my anchor. So just don't do it. Don't be tempted. If you use the Sleeper app, and I recommend Sleeper, man. Sleeper has been awesome. I've converted every league I can to Sleeper way better than MFL, better than Yahoo, better than ESPN, and forget about it, better than the NFL. Terrible app. But if you're on Sleeper, they have an option to just pass on that player. I use that option often because that's better for my discipline. If I just say pass, it just grays that player out. You cannot bid higher on that player. So that's my tip, man. Do not get wrapped up. Do not say a number and get wrapped up in the bidding if you don't want that player. Too often you may get stuck with that player and then you'll just be frustrated and scrambling. So just don't do it. Second tip. When you're at the end of your drafts, too often I see players waiting on that sleeper. And as the money starts to dwindle down and team by team slowly is getting into the $3, $2, $1, you have teams out there who really want that sleeper. Let's say Gerald Everett at the tight end spot. And you're waiting on Gerald Everett. You're just praying that no one calls out Gerald Everett. You want to be the person who calls out Gerald Everett, right? But too often I see when your opponents still have money, you wait to say Gerald Everett and you say Gerald Everett for a dollar, boom. Next thing you know, your opponent says Gerald Everett for $2 and now you're stuck. Either A, you only had $2 left so you can't jump above that, you're out of money. 
or B, now you're forced to go $3 on a guy you only wanted to spend two for. So here's what you do instead. You do not let your opponents jump on that player. You call out Gerald Everett for $2. Or if you're online, you just set it to $2 and then you make your bid. Don't put it at a dollar and allow someone else to jump to two, forcing you to go to three if you want that player. Or if you only had two bucks left, now you're out. So don't think of that $2 when you get down to the end of your draft as having two different players at a dollar. Think of it as having the player you absolutely want for two. Call out that player at two that hamstrings the rest of your opponents who can't then jump you or it forces them to go $3. And I've seen it happen too often. It took me years to understand how valuable that can be toward the end of your drafts to get your guy. So if you're waiting on that sleeper, you're waiting on a few sleepers and you only have $2 left, you can do it the same for $3. But if you just have a few dollars left, let it all ride on that player and guarantee that you get him. Or at the very worst, you're at least forcing your competition to go higher than they wanted, spend some of their budget and move on. All right, so at the end of your drafts, Consider your opponents, consider the money they have, and you do not have to always call out that player for a dollar. Okay, great. So, third tip, when auction drafting. Do not, and I cannot state this enough, do not go all in for three first round draft picks. Just don't do it. All right. And on the converse, do not wait and try to get all middle tier players. Both of those strategies, you know, look, there's lots of ways to win in fantasy football. I'll never say one strategy will guarantee you victory or not. It's just not the case. So, you know, fantasy football is like 45% luck, 55% skill, right? So, There's multiple ways to skin a cat. There's multiple ways to win chips. You may luck your way into it. I've seen auto drafters win win drafts, right? So I'm a person who likes to play the odds and the odds will forever be in your favor if you avoid those two strategies. Do not go all in for three or four players and then just have a bunch of random one, two dollar guys. That never works out, never works out. Let me tell you a story back in the day, my home league auction draft, I used to love going in for quarterbacks. I used to love it. I was obsessed with them. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, had to have them at all times, right? So one year, I got the idea because I had success the year before while only like three guys were about 80% of my production. So I had the idea that, oh, all you need is like two guys and you can ride it out to a sunset. This was a thin league, 14-team lead. So my feeling it was only two studs that's going to allow you to dominate. So what did I do? I wanted Shady Breeze, right? I wanted LaShawn McCoy. I wanted Shady and I wanted Drew Breeze. All I pictured in my head was Shady Breeze. But guess what? In this particular year, for a budget of only $125, which is goofy, all of you auction commissioners out there, by the way, just go $200, man. Just go $200. Don't mess around, especially with like you know, 175, 125, just go 200. It's a standard. Everyone gets it. You can base percentages off of it. 
I've seen auction drafts with $5,000. Yeah, it's all relative, but it's not. My contention, it's not. It's psychological, right? It's psychological. So just make it easy on yourself and on others for the auction draft. It's stressful enough without figuring out math and percentages and 125, 175. It's goofy. It's goofy. Just do 200. That should just be the standard. I know they give you all kinds of options, but my way of thinking, just make it easy, man. Just make it easy. Go 200. So in this particular draft, 14 teams, $125 budget, and I went $100 on two players. On two players. $100. It did not bode well for me. It was by far the worst year I ever had in all 15 years in this draft. I think I was like three and 10 or something like that. It was a terrible year, right? Shady got hurt, just went south, just went south and I couldn't scramble. And the worst thing, when you're in an auction draft and you go all in, the worst thing is you know some of these players and the value that's out there, they're gonna, they're gonna pay off. They're gonna beat their AAV, but you got no money. You've just given up all of your power. So in this particular draft, you have to have a 15-man squad. I went two players out of 100, meaning I could only essentially go like $2 on every other player. It was terrible. I like Vernon Davis as my top pass catcher, not even at the tight end slot, just as a receiver, just to fill out the squad. So I highly recommend that you spread the wealth and that you do not go all in for just a few players. I know it's tempting, man. I know it's tempting to have CMC and Delvin Cook. I know it's tempting to have, you know, Travis Kelsey and Devontae Adams. I, I just don't recommend it. What I would rather do is, and here's here's a strategy I like. Do a mock draft in a snake. Get an idea of who's going in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth rounds. And then you can kind of base your auction on that. You can say, okay, you know, I'm going to go $30 on what I consider my first round draft pick. And I'm not going to go any higher. And then I'm going to wait and I'm going to go $20 on what I consider my second round pick and kind of lay it out like that. Now, it's not that simple. You always have to be on the lookout for a value for for guys that are out there that you think are going to do better than where they're going. So you need to be like water. You need to adapt. But I highly recommend not having a strategy of going all in, getting, getting three studs and then having the rest just be junk on your bench don't recommend it. The second strategy I don't recommend to there is don't wait to just be a middle ground player, right? Just don't wait to be a middle ground player, right? The middle class in fantasy auction drafts is as dead as the middle class is in America. It doesn't exist, right? And if you have all these guys at say $10, you know, between seven and $12, you're just waiting and loading up on them. It's just not going to end well for you. Not from what I've seen. You can't just have a bunch of C plus B minus guys on your squad. What you should do is spread the wealth. You're going to have a few A's, few B's, few C's, and a whole lot of D's, man. And that's like any draft. You're just doing lottery tickets at the end, praying they pay off, right? That's all any of us are doing at that point. So I, I do not recommend going all in I do not recommend playing just the mid game. You save your money. What I recommend is what people kind of refer to as hero ball, right? Get get a stud or two 
you know, not both CMC and Dalvin because you'll just have no money, but go ahead, get yourself some CMC and then get yourself some Calvin Ridley. All right, and then wait, then wait, just chill, just chill. Here's the thing, in one quarterback leagues, you can wait forever on quarterback. You're going to get more value in an auction draft than a snake because you can get guys like Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins. Well, I know, I mean, no one wants Kirk as their QB1, but the fact of the matter is that dude, for whatever reason, has been a AQB1, you know, a top 12 fantasy quarterback, like four out of the last five years. All right, so guys, you may hate, they can still bring you value. So just wait on the quarterback, play hero ball, get a stud or two that's not going to blow your budget, and then just chill. Then wait for the middle ground. Nothing wrong with a few heroes. And then chilling, being disciplined, waiting for the middle ground, right? But what you don't want is you don't want Ronald Jones as your running back one, okay? He's a, he's a low-end running back two, high-end running back three. You don't want him as his RB1. I've seen too many players who wait and chill, and they're like, oh, I'll dominate at the end of my draft now, okay? Doesn't work out. You need a few studs. Studs will bring you to glory, all right? But you also need to be balanced. You want a little depth. COVID-19's out there. Who the hell knows who's going to be in COVID protocols, right? Injuries always happen. We've already had Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Michael Thomas. We've already had injuries and games haven't even started yet. So you want to be balanced. Want to be balanced. So let me just break it all down for you. Three tips in your auction drafts. Tip number one, right? Wait until the end and if there if you only have two dollars left don't say my guy for a dollar say my guy for two right tip number two do not have the whole top of each draft with a bunch of bottom level guys nor should you have all mid-level guys you're aiming for a balance right you want a few few studs spend your money but then wait and chill and three, most importantly, which is why I reverse the order, just don't, just don't wager, don't bid on a guy you don't want. Just don't do it. I've got stuck so many times trying to drive up the price, so many times just been stuck like, yeah, I'm going to screw this guy over, then I get screwed over and I have to scramble. So to me, that's the most important thing. You don't want to end up. An auction draft is all about getting your guy. That's the whole point, in my opinion. You're not stuck by outside variables like a randomized draft order. You're not stuck, uh, you know, at the turn, at the 11-12 spot where you got the turn and you have no chance of getting CMC or Cook or Kamara. You want your guy, go get him. That's fine. I just don't recommend going all in for a guy and absolutely do not bid on a guy you don't want and get stuck with. can be tempting. Bid Daddy says... Just don't do it. So, four guys that I like in auction drafts. I've done a ton of them, like I said, so that I can give you the information. The majority of the drafts I've done are $200. Again, that's what I would recommend you setting your budget at. The first guy, I'm going to give you a quarterback, a running back, a receiver, 
and a tight end, all of them who I think will outproduce their AAV or their ADP, they're going to outproduce where you draft them. First guy, Ryan Tannehill. If you look at Ryan Tannehill's stats since he's gone to the Titans, look at those stats side by side to Patrick Mahomes. Tannehill's actually been better. He's actually been better. And for fantasy, he's sneaky athletic. Love that term. Sneaky athletic. Such a scout term. He runs more than people know. He had seven rushing touchdowns last year. I don't know if that's duplicated, but I will tell you this. Without a pass catching back, Derrick Henry is a dude who just rams it down your throat. Tannenhill can run, play action, hit the boot inside the 10-yard line, and he has open space all day because people are paying attention to Henry. Now he has Julio Jones. He has A.J. Brown, two of the better receivers, two of the best duo receivers in the NFL. And Tannenhill is absolutely a top 10 fantasy quarterback right now in $200 drafts. I've been getting him in the $3 to $5 range. Now, again, he's going to be, you know, in that quarterback 8 to quarterback 12. But I absolutely believe that he is a top 12 quarterback and he is going cheap. I'm getting him anywhere between 5 and $10. Just had a draft last night. I got him for 3 bucks. So for whatever reason, people are not wise to the Ryan Tannehill situation. Wait on your quarterback in one quarterback leagues. Grab yourself Ryan Tannehill. And if you're in super flex, I still say wait. And you try to pair Ryan Tannenhill with an unproven commodity like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts and Tannenhill I have in many super flex leagues because I love the pairing, right? I love the pairing. I think that Tannenhill has a very high floor and I think that, uh, you know, Hurts has a much lower floor but a higher ceiling because of the rushing ability. So in super flex, I still wait. I still can get these guys, you know, third and sixth round, something like that in Superflex. But in one quarterback leagues, just wait. The second guy, running back, Javante Williams for the Denver for the Denver Broncos. I think he's a league winner. His situation reminds me a lot of the David Johnson situation in 2015 with the Cardinals when he was a rookie out of Northern Iowa, third round guy. They loved his skill set, but they had other backs. They had Chris Johnson, and they they had other backs, and they were using the other backs a lot in Bruce Arians' offense. And as we know, Arians does he tends to like multiple backs. He's more of a, a quarterback coach. He likes to air it out. He likes multiple backs. But you could see David Johnson's skill set. They put him on kickoff return, and slowly as the year went along, David Johnson got built more into the offense. This is a Javante Williams story. This is what will happen with Javante Williams. Only I believe he takes over from Melvin Gordon sooner than David Johnson took over for Chris Johnson back in 2015. And David Johnson, if you remember back then, he was an absolute league winner, went on a tear in the last four weeks of the season. I think Javante Williams does the exact same thing. He reminds me of Nick Chubb. His running style reminds me of Nick Chubb. He's a big dude who can move, and he's a great pass catcher. You've had Teddy Bridgewater compare him to Alvin Kamara. My God. My God. I think Javante Williams is a top 10 back next year in drafts. He is going to get all the love that Jonathan Taylor and all the second year backs got this year. That will be Javante Williams. He is going in the 5 to $10 range in multiple drafts that I'm doing. He's kind of in that running back dead zone. People don't know what to do with him and MG3. 
Get yourself Javante Williams. Wait on him. Get him. The third guy. I love T. Higgins. I think he's the best bangle on a, on a dynamic wide receiver group that features Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Most people believe Jamar Chase, because of the relationship he had with Joe Burrow, is going to be the the, the wide receiver one there in Chili City in Cincinnati, I think it's T. Higgins. I think he comes out in year two. He's absolutely explosive. He's an absolute alpha. He had 900 yards on 60-some catches last year. I think he can improve that to 1,100 yards, get himself eight touchdowns, have 80 grabs. I think he's the most explosive receiver in the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver core. I like him more than Chase. I like his value more than Chase, and I like his talent more than than Tyler Boyd, although Tyler Boyd is an outstanding value as well. Again, T. Higgins is going right in that $10 range, maybe $8, maybe $12, going for about 5% of your $200 budget. Wait and get yourself the true alpha in Cincinnati in T. Higgins. And last but not least, tight end. I love John U. Smith. I'm a John U. Smith fan. I just wish the Patriots didn't pay Hunter Henry as well because I have no idea how that's going to shake out. All I know is that Mac Jones and his accuracy, although he's a rookie, love Mac Jones' pocket presence, love his accuracy, love that he doesn't have a big arm for Jacoby Myers, Jonu Smith, and Hunter Henry. Now, I believe Jonu becomes the more dynamic tight end of the two. I like Hunter Henry a lot, and either of the two um, could be great for your fantasy team. I just think John New is going to get more goal line looks. I think he's more athletic than Hunter Henry. He might even get some rushing, uh, some carries. He might get five to 10 carries on the year. They're going to use him in interesting packages. I love what they're doing there in New England. It fits their offense well. Mac Jones fits their offense to a T. Fit means more than talent when it comes to the quarterback position. Just ask Joe Montana and Tom Brady. Have to have the fit. Mac Jones fits perfectly like a glove. And he is going to supply... Jonu Smith with plenty of targets. And if Hunter Henry gets hurt, if Hunter Henry gets hurt, Jonu Smith can be a top five tight end. I said it. It's going to take some luck. More than likely, they cancel each other out from dominance. But I do think weekly, Jonu Smith should get you about four to five receptions. He should get you about seven looks, and he's going to get you 30, 40, 50 yards and a plunge. And I think he is actually used on deeper routes than Hunter Henry. So get yourself Jonu Smith. He's going cheap between a dollar and three. Most leagues I've been in are not tight end premium. You don't have to start two tight ends. So whether it's a 10, 12, or 14 team league, Jonu is going outside of that range. He's becoming folks tight end two for their team. I say wait and jump on Johnu Smith. If you are not able to land Kelsey Waller or Kittle, I don't believe that uh, Johnu is in that Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Noah Fant range, but he's just below it. And with some good luck, he absolutely can be a top five tight end this year. I've got him right around tight end 10 or 11, but going for a dollar or two worth every penny. So those are my four players. I recommend you hopping on those guys. They equal value plus volume and fantasy football success. So thank you all good people. Really appreciate you jumping in. This has been the Bid Daddy Podcast, episode two. Loving it. Cannot wait for the NFL season to begin. I know we're all excited, good people. Check out my work, sportsobsessive.com. Check out Yards Per Fantasy, check out the league winners, and check out Pro Football Mania, 
where I've got some pieces on there as well. I'll be coming at you in all kinds of ways, podcasts, videos, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Yeah, I know. I'm like the Steve Bassini meme. You know, what's happened, fellow kids? That's 40-year-old bid daddy Keith James. But I'm in there on all these different formats trying to give you the information you need to win your draft. So thank you, good people. Always a blast. Until next time, be good, good people.